What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Some of you might be wondering what's happening with the title of the podcast. It used to be Radar Noise, but now it's the London Music Podcast. Well, even though I do like the um, original name, I think the latter is a bit more appropriate for what's actually being discussed in uh, each episode, because essentially what I'm doing is having a conversation with people from London about the London music scene, about what it means to be a musician in London in 2020, and how to kind of navigate that landscape. So from now on, it's going to be the London Music Podcast, because basically that's what the podcast is about. And in today's episode, um, I interviewed uh, Samuel Constantino Hunter, uh, who is a music producer and composer. Uh, and we talk a lot about his approach to music making and Hans Zimmer, uh, orchestral music, film music, uh, what tools he uses in the studio and all that jazz. So it was a very interesting conversation that I hope a lot of you will get value from. And without further ado, I give you Samuel Constantino Hunter. Today I have uh, Sam Constantino Hunter with me. So uh, hello, hello. and uh, thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast. And just a few uh, words of preamble before we actually get into the uh, the meat of it. Uh, I've actually known him for a few years now. I don't know, going on four or five. Four or years, five. Yeah. I think. So I used to. Uh, be one of his tutors for um, the Power Jam uh, band workshops that I'm still uh, operating. But um, he obviously graduated and is doing a lot of cool stuff. And he's one of the few musicians at his age who actually make music uh, and actually do it for a living as his job. So he'll tell you more about that, but uh, I'll let him do kind of his own intro. So tell us... Uh, a bit about yourself, who you are, what made you want to kind of pursue music and all that jazz. Thank you, Andre. <laughs> I'm Samuel, as uh, Andre said, and um, I'm an identical twin. I was born in London. Um, I'm 18 and I just finished my A-levels. Um, and uh, I guess my story begins with my father. He, My father and my uncle were quite well known in the music industry quite a while back um, but they were kind of a lot more underground doing their own more technical and production side of stuff rather than out there on television and big bands and uh, I think it was when I was about nine years nine years old randomly I was in I was up in uh, down in Brighton uh, with my dad and uh, I was at one of my auntie's house and my dad was just like, so Sam, do you want to make a track? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, do you want to make a pop song or, or a song that's going to go on the charts? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> as I would as a child. I was really excited. I was like, yeah, let's do this. And so he, he brought out his laptop. And to be honest, at first I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed. I kind of looked at the laptop and this this grey this grey software on the on, on the laptop and I was like, how how am I gonna start producing music with this this thing? And was, when was this? This was when I was nine. So about twenty <laughs> I don't know, something. 
2009. Yeah, some, some around there. It's born in 2001, so 20, yeah, like 2010, 2011, okay. something. Um, and uh, so. As most people do when they start um, producing music is you you resort to loops because loops give you a wholesome kind of feel of what you want. If it's a drum beat, it's all there. I mean, it instantly gives you a kind of rhythm and something to work with. So I just started configuring, configuring loops and beats and... Yeah, as you call them now, I don't tend to use beats, but <laughs> uh, loops and tracks. And uh, I released a couple on SoundCloud and uh, they actually did quite well. And they were just simple arrangements of loops, nothing of my own. And um, where'd you get the loops from? Was it like something like... So, I don't know, was Splice a thing back back then? I don't think it was. I, I think the whole industry has changed in the last two or three years with samples. Um, I think... That's something we can probably come back to, because, yeah. but uh, so yeah, there wasn't splice. It was the in, uh, it was the software's loops. So oh, if okay. whatever you, if it was Logic, it was Apple Loops, or if it was Fruity Loops, it was whatever. I don't even know if they have loops, but loops they had in Ableton, etc. Uh, and so I was using those, and I kind of, I guess I was doing that for a few years, and I started to get a bit bored. Um, and the reason why was because I wasn't, wasn't progressing using loops. Uh, but I guess running parallel to that, Tally and me were, we're also musicians. So when we were about the same time, or <clears throat> I think it was a couple years earlier, we started learning piano. Um, and we weren't taught traditionally. We weren't mm. taught classically. We were just basically showed what to play. And then by year and by by our teacher showing us what to do, we'd we'd play it and we picked it up amazingly. We learned probably quite a few hundreds of songs until in twenty eleven we flew off to Nepal mm. and I basically just forgot all everything I knew apart from I guess the ability to create. I still had that. I still know if I wanted to create something, how to do it. But the actual technical and expertise of that side of playing I wasn't able to so I could compose but I couldn't play what I was composing and that kind of hit me quite hard it kind of I was quite sad for a while once I got back because I think especially in this day and age what we're losing out on is um is the ability to play an instrument uh, yeah I mean the, the musicianship is a bit lost in all of this yeah. um focus production. on on production at the same time you do have way more musicians than you used yeah, to yeah. so it's not as if there's a lack of people no, trying but yeah, yeah I, i do also get the sense that there's something missing not necessarily on the grand stage because for instance i know bruno mars's band i mean those are real yeah, musicians yeah, uh, but I mean, maybe at the lower levels like pub bands and yeah. stuff like that, it's it's not as um full of proficient musicians as yeah. probably at some yeah. point it was but at the same time you do get way more yeah you um, get a lot more stuff yeah yeah and especially with production i mean it, it's so cheap to buy anything and yeah. as, as you said most of the stuff that he got in the studio was free yeah. and we'll, we'll touch on that um anyway so uh the fact that it's cheap um 
knowledge is everywhere you can go on youtube and yeah. okay i want to learn how to eq kick drums you'll have every yeah, everything you need there to yeah. actually eq a kick drum and that anything in between so uh, I, I the thing is i uh, i kind of came about as a musician as a guitar player so production came way later for me yeah. I started as a kind of musician, quote unquote, and then developed this kind of love for production on one hand, just because I then could be able to make music I've on my own. For that, that journey. Um, I don't know. I mean, oh, now at the moment, I'm, I'm playing less and less guitar just because production yeah. takes up most of my time. And, yeah. and actually, as opposed to guitar playing, it actually makes money. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah. people actually pay me to produce music nowadays rather than with the guitar stuff. I was in band, maybe I'd get paid to, for a rehearsal, for a gig or whatnot, but it wasn't anything to write home about. Whereas with production, it is it is a job. So do you feel that it's kind of the same with you? Do you feel that you, kind of the, the guitar playing aspect or the piano playing aspect has kind of been lost and you're kind of more in front of a screen? And So... um it's not, it's a great point. Uh, I that's that's exactly where I think I was I was going to touch on because as I said I was getting bored of um of producing. It was kind of for that for that reason. Um, but then again, uh, I then I think it was about that time I basically just out of nowhere I got into film score, mm. and along with that. Uh, one of the units at my college was doing was doing film school, and so um, I basically then had to develop this ability that I've learned on piano to use it classically within these projects I was doing. Because mm. you can uh, you can do film score, you can do electronic film score, and it's it's prevailing in a lot of films like yeah. Drive and where they have. Oh, I love that film. Yeah, and, and retro soundtrack, yeah. which I would love to do. Um, but I think the big thing now, it's called hybrid orchestra, and mm. it's literally just the mix between electronic production and um, and classical. And I think, I don't think classical music will ever disappear. And in that sense, I don't think this um, this uh, ability or this this thing about being able to play something will ever disappear because you need... You kind of need a backdrop for stuff to fall onto. Yeah. If we all started just um, producing, then yes, we kind of learn new stuff, but you're kind of you're you're limited to. I think the, you're limited to sort of the technical stuff that's already out there, rather than what you can build on from what you've mm. played before. And that's what I notice when I when I watch videos on production, I start sounding like these videos, and I start to lose what it is that I wanted in the first place. Yeah, and also uh, I've always found found this surprising that most of the videos that I uh, watch have producers who make amazing sounds and yeah. amazing recordings, but then they say, "Well, I'm not entirely sure what that chord is or what that chord progression is." Uh, yeah, and yeah, it's it's I, weird I, to me, but I, at the same time, they have well. a completely different it's skill set. Yeah. yeah, and a completely new skill set that, uh, I mean, I'm trying to get to the point of making whatever the sound yeah. it is in my head, but they don't have this other skill set. Yeah. But at, at this stage in kind of the, the, the history of music, 
this sound designing and it's kind of much bigger is much than bigger than, one, yeah. than the other one. Uh, but at the same time, uh, as you say, there's a lot of stuff um, happening kind of internally that makes you think, oh, well, but I spent so much time playing the guitar and yeah. I, I really enjoy playing the guitar or playing the, the piano or the violin, whatever. So we should probably just keep that as much yeah. as we can just because you never know i mean it, it's always uh... I, I think the other aspect of it is the best i personally think the best sound design is a um is a mixture of real and electronic sounds the biggest thing i find when i produce electronic music is i want to sound but it but I, i can't create that sound because it's it's kind of spectral and it's um what's the word for it? <laughs> it's uh it basically doesn't have the color of real real world sounds mm. um like for example I was making a track a couple months ago just sitting in my bed and i was trying to think of what i needed in it and out of nowhere tally's doing his revision like scrunches a piece of paper and chucks it at the wall and i thought it was part of the track And I kept replaying it about 20 times trying to find what this was. And then I realized it's the, the tone and the texture that you get from real life stuff that makes, adds, adds the final kind of warmth and color you need. And I think if you can blend, this is what I'm trying to aim to at the moment, if you can blend your, your knowledge and your skill as a musician with electronic stuff then you're basically set for for anything so what do you think about using kind of real live samples so say you have a, a drum beat that is yeah. actual that that's an actual drum that someone recorded in the studio and it sounds awesome and using that as a sample rather than someone actually playing it do you feel that's cheating um, or do you feel that well, it kind of helps with kind of bringing warmth to an electronic i, I guess in, in in terms of getting in terms of um volume of music that's being released and getting your stuff out there and competing with the current market we have it's bloody amazing having these songs uh, a good example is drum and bass hmm. drum and bass uses one of the biggest splice libraries for their their hi-hats kicks and drums and um i think as i was watching a video recently as a guy said in it he doesn't want to be wasting the time trying to design the sound mm. he more he has the idea of how to use the sound and where it should be in the track and it's kind of the same with what you're talking about before where you you have the people who know the the diff they have the different skill set of of making a song that doesn't usually include playing but then includes all the production side so in that sense it means a lot of these producers can then get a sound that they want um and then put it out really quickly and it will sound professional um i think that there's not really a downside to it but uh Um, I'm kind of, I'm somewhat of a, I wouldn't say I'm a purist, but I try to make as much as I can as possible. And I think the perfect word to describe what happens when this occurs too much is a saturated market. Mm. 
because you unless um we have dedicated people who are creating stuff for people's different needs then they'll create their own stuff and their own stuff kind of sounds like their own stuff and then everyone uses that own stuff which then gets used in these um which gets used in these top tracks and so you kind of just get a recall of the same thing used in a different way yeah at the same um, time if you think about it i mean how much can you be responsible for a guitar sound because you didn't make the guitar yeah, didn't make yeah. the amp and uh, you did have a lot of saturation in the 80s and kind of early to mid 90s with everything being just guitars yeah, and then yeah, it yeah. slowly started to fade away because obviously it got oversaturated so i don't know maybe we'll see something like that happening with electronic music now everything is kind of at like a professional level but at, at yeah. the same time it does sound samey yeah. so you always get those like super wide saws or whatever yeah what well, uh software i use you might know called zebra yeah so zebra doesn't have a number for it it just has few um i think medium and many I can't, maybe not medium i can't remember but it just it basically has a re it has really precise tracking so it limits it to exactly the amount you actually need mm -hmm. instead of preparing it beforehand and then allowing you to play. And so you can basically then play, I don't know, essentially like 50. <laughs> so is that your sense of choice? Um, so funnily enough, um, I've, I'm still developing my sound, even though I've been kind of uh producing for 10 9 years i've i've sort of been in a bit of a battle between um kind of making what these people want me to make and making what i actually want to do um and because of that i uh, it's not it it wasn't consciously i think subconsciously i basically wasn't sticking to a door not a door a vst mm. because i didn't i didn't want that to define the sound that i wanted um and it's like it's like with serum i i know hundreds of people who go straight to serum which is fine but i i think reason why zebra is great and reason why i've stuck to it now is because um the versatility on it i thought it was actually cheaper than or the other plugins, it's a bit more expensive, but it's because it's absolutely, it's just phenomenal amount of the versatility. But is yeah. it? Do you find that versatility so, in the uh, the fact that it has many presets? Or I mean, are you no, so are actually, you the kind of guy that starts from a preset and then changes so things? Or it, well, it's the complete opposite of that. But there are presets if you want it. So it has, it basically has four channels for LFOs, and then you can within those four channels you can then add up to eight more lfos on mm. those channels and then you can you can the reason why it's amazing is that you can affect the sound of a vco so your signal generator um um from the actual box you can literally so you can modulate anything the sound of that vco just within that little box in that side of the VST, you don't need to go anywhere else. You can do it all within there, and then aside from that, you then get 
a mod matrix which allows you to then do more modulation on top of everything you do. So I think it basically just gives you the ability to do essentially anything you want. Um, I haven't used it that much, but I, I know that it's pretty CPU intensive. Yeah, because of the fact that you can do so, so yeah, much yeah, yeah. in it. But that's the thing, it's not CPU intensive just because it is, it's more because you can, you have the ability to use a lot of CPU because there's loads of functions that allow you to drop your CPU usage on it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's basically, I think it is my, um, my VST of choice. Okay. It might be partly why, partly because um, I quite like Hans Zimmer and he uses uh, Zebra for everything. He also uses Cubase, but you have yeah, logic, so yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he he actually has a sample pack which you can get. Mm. And this is this is perfect for anyone who wants to learn hybrid orchestra. If you um if you get his sample pack, load it into Zebra, you'll realize on top of the versatility of creating digital electronic sounds, he creates all of the Batman theme sounds, the wing flaps, everything you think is in real life digitally mm. um, on the software. And it's just, it's absolutely mental. I think like when, and when, as I said, when you can combine that with real life sounds, it just, it kind of ups your game a lot more. So do you f think you need this uh, kind of live real sound in your productions just because you're also a musician yourself? Um, like a music, I mean, not obviously even the producers are musicians, but like you play an instrument. Yeah. In that sense. Um, I, I personally think it's because it gives me a whole other world of opportunities. Um, although someone might say, yeah, but I can use uh, Splice and you can't use Splice and find the guitar sound that I was going to play. You might be able to, mm. but I... It, it's highly unlikely there will be everything in there and I think once you then pick that guitar loop you've limited yourself to basically the rhythm I mean you can chop it up and you can then try and make it sound like that but unless it has I don't know a pitch bend a hammer on mm. and and some harmonics that you play on it as well then you're not going to have the same same feel and the, the same, I guess, just same energy. <laughs> yeah, but it also depends kind of how much to the forefront of the mix that element is. Yeah. If it's in the yeah. background, yeah, just well, might as well just chuck us. Yeah. yeah. There's no point in wasting time doing all of those extra bits. So. Yeah, so um, what kind of projects are you working on at the moment? Um, I just actually, I think a few days ago, um, I was working on a film composition for the Berlin International Film Scoring wow. Competition. Nice. Uh, and it turned out quite, I was quite happy with it. Uh, what, what was kind of new to me is that Tally, um, I basically, I wanted to collab with Tally and uh, I usually write electronic music mm. and um, I've done various film soundtracks before and I, I usually tend to do electronic and I have done classical ones that are pretty good but I, I thought I might be able to do a better job if I did electronic and luckily I was able to have that choice 
Um, with this scoring competition, you can basically do anything with door MIDI. You don't have to be able to notate um, mm -hmm. or score. So do you know how to... I, I'm to learning. Play. I can. I can do basics um, just in case. But, um, <clears throat> so I came in and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I just had a dream of hand, being in Hans Zimmer's studio <laughs> and him saying, hey, you should combine um, electric with uh, electric analog synths with um, a real life instrument. In his context, in the dream, it was a trumpet. But I was like, okay, this is a sign. I'm going to do this. And so I came in, I got Tally to record in some parts. And I'm sorry, Tally, because I was I was actually I, I've I've learned a lot over the years with working with people, um, but just those couple days, I wasn't kind of I was taking my brother for advantage. He was basically just sitting here with his guitar for like hours, not doing anything, and I basically should have just got him to record in everything as soon as it came, and then he could have could have left or he could have stayed instead of just waiting on me to, <laughs> to ask him for stuff. But anyway, he he um he played in this mini guitar riff and and then I used that as a basis of the intro. So I got some some heavy double bass um arpeggiated strings and I used them under the stream uh on So what do you use guitar. for like orchestral uh, so, instruments? So I use contact um and I think Contact 11 has a few Session String Pro and, and a few in them. Um, but the default one that comes with Contact is kind of good enough. Depending on what you do, this is a hard thing, depending on what melody you write, you can actually notice that they're more electronic mm. because of the, the, specifically because of the attack and legato of the strings, you can tell attack and the garter is the same the release is the same each time which then you kind of figure out is electronic but you so. then go into the midi and like fine tune well, every hit i tried to do that but i actually had to rewrite the melody and make a different melody mm. and then add some harps and stuff to cover it up because i just really didn't want that to be obvious so uh but anyway so yeah i use contact um and so i, I just wrote this little intro bit and I knew I needed some sort of form or structure. I don't. I don't really know classical form. I did learn it in um, in GCSEs when you get ABAs. I sort of just tend to feel, try and feel whether it needs to go back to its original mm -hmm. or it doesn't. Um, and that I guess it just it just comes with experience. But it um, is a so film score type competition anyway so it's not as if you need to adhere to whatever no no you can beta from like like 200 years ago do anything but form is there for a reason and it's to stop you from thinking you're basically on acid and having a two hour long trip and not coming back to, <laughs> to where you were in the first place so um it may it basically makes a song more memorable um and so using form is I think, especially with a lot of classical musicians, it's one of the first things they learn is how to structure a piece. Um, so that's basically something that you're, I mean, you did for your own project. So like stuff that you like to do, you just submitted it for kind of Sam yeah. the artist, not Sam the 
kind of provider of services for someone else. No, no, so no, on no. that front, what 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 are you working on? Um, and is it mainly so, production stuff, or are you also doing mixing, mastering? I'm doing. I'm quite, so at the moment I've just mastered a song and it's taken me quite a long time because I've had to figure out what LUFS, which is basically the new volume standard, um, I need to do it for different streaming platforms. Uh, back in the old days, you just recorded a song and you had someone who did it for vinyl and it was five times easier. But um, now, so I, yeah, I was figuring that all out. So I just mastered the track and finished it. Um, and then there's another track I need to master, which is my own. I actually made it with one of my dad's friends, mm. which is quite, it's really fun just seeing what the older generation had to bring to was kind of what I wanted to create. And, uh, it's quite, a um, a usual, t- not, I guess, yeah, typical old school house. Mm. So eight minutes, um, it's a lot less about technical production and just about the sounds and when you play them yeah. um, and that was really amazing to do and then I, when I was up in Somerset at my mate's uh, studio somehow he just gets all of his equipment discounted like he has really nice focus right monitors with like I think Adam Neve I can't remember these other monitors and has like a patch bay and he just has a massive studio of really nice microphones and he I mean he's broke at the moment because he just spent all of his uh, money on it but I he just gets discounts I don't think he bought anything in there for full price um which is pretty good going (laughs) so I was just there and I made a couple tracks with Tally my brother we usually we're trying to do stuff together um and I want to do stuff with him because in the past we kind of just done our own stuff. Mm. And I think we both could be a lot more successful, I think, in our, in our path if we if we combine together. So it's because uh, so. I, I see you coming back to this. Uh, I uh, the, the fact that it's whatever you do, it, it kind of all boils down to what you want to express and kind of how you want to be perceived as an artist or yeah. uh, more about your vision than working for some someone yeah, else. So, I mean, like, so say ten years the, from now. Funny, so, ten years from now, do you see you or both of you being the artist and that you're just producing for yourselves, so, or do you want to offer services for someone else, for uh, other people? So, I think to to give an example, Pharrell Williams, mm-hmm. um, and and I guess like Nile Rogers. Let's Rogers. Let's go with Pharrell Williams. Pharrell Williams. Um, I think most people know him for basically his own songs that he's created. Yeah. But he has produced mid, like thousands of songs. And won countless Grammys for them. Yeah, <laughs> one countless that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and it's the same with Calvin Harris. Yeah. I, I, I don't like him. I don't really hate anyone. I just personally don't listen to his stuff. But in terms of marketing... He's basically the best you can have as a producer. He get if he produces a track, even if it's minimal, he gets his name on the on the le- on the record. If he doesn't produce it, he's still if he just sings in it, he gets his name on the record. And I think I I'm trying to blur the boundaries between being a producer as in making stuff for others, because I love making stuff for others. We've got 
three or four, five tracks that we're producing for other people mm-hmm. at the moment. But I and then I also though want to be able to have my own mm. my own name on tracks. So I think it's basically both. I at the moment it's more of a focus on myself as an artist, just because I haven't got my uh, stuff out there. But so do you want I that do. to be your your legacy in a way? So being, yeah, I okay. think. And then uh, because I. I'm, I, I'm, as I've been told by the people I've worked with, I'm great to work with for producing. And I think I find it very easy to see, to share someone's mm. visions they have and the creative ideas they have. Um, and so I would love to work with other people. And I think Pharrell Williams is kind of like someone who, in terms of producing, who I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. have my own late um name as myself and also be able to fly around the world <laughs> <laughs> it has its perks yeah not only making music yeah, yeah um so it's it's uh, what i find fascinating about both of your cases uh, you and your brothers is that you you have this drive to make music yeah. i have and i've had so many students who i've had to it was like pulling teeth yeah come on play something or produce something or do this do that because uh, you see potential, but then, uh, yeah. yeah, but this new series came up on, on Netflix last night, so I couldn't really practice. But with you guys, uh, that was never the case. Even back in the, the Power Jam days with yeah. you, you were always on it. You always had this new riff, this new song idea, yeah. this new production. So it's quite interesting that um, you're kind of part of a, kind of a new generation, but at the same time, you have the, the drive to, to, to do it. I mean, do you, do you feel that that's kind of unique to your case or do you see that happening among kind of more of your friends, like music and inclined um, friends? Uh, unfortunately, I think it's more uh, a specific case. Mm. I mean, the, the people I choose to work with in music have to have that because otherwise I don't... I, it sounds harsh, but I don't think there's much point of using my time to work for them. If they're a really close friend, then fair enough. But if they just want to do a song on the side mm. um, and... I mean, they can do a song on the side, but they've got to still believe it's going to do well. Mm. If it's just... Like if they don't seem like they have the drive for it, then I I don't think I put my put my mind to working with them. But I think that that drive that um it it comes from our parents, mm. and I think we're quite, I'm quite I'm really grateful for the parents we have, um, and I in particular our mum has taught us basically that. If your focus is split on multiple things, it's it's nearly in in impossible to get somewhere. As you you might know, with with working, doing chores at home, and not even that. So even closer to the example we have oh, at hand, I've I've been divided, uh, uh, kind of for the past ten years or so between kind of the the musician and yeah. the academic because uh, yeah, i i that. went for that and in a way i went all in and for a few years i was focused on reading and writing and publishing and all yeah. of that stuff but i forgot about why i started to to make music in the first place which was my love for music and my love yeah. for music making not reading or writing about it so now i've started to get back into it and kind of leave that side of the uh, yeah. equation to um, to the past in in a way so uh, yeah I, I i totally get where you're coming yeah. from 
uh, well, uh, even even if it's not kind of a movement and it's not like the new generation are taking yeah. over and everyone's kind of doing 10 songs a day and stuff like that. I mean, it, uh, it's it's cool that we have at least a couple of people around to, to kind of push those I boundaries. Think, so, yeah, so it's it's kind of a... Uh, it, it's, it's the, what our parents have taught us. Um, and it's also the fact that I I just know... I basically have is I think it's more our vision. Mm. We've been taught that you can have whatever vision you want, and so my vision is quite big, and I, there's certain things that I don't want to have to do in life, and I just I know, in some cases, if you don't make it before, then it then gives you a lot more work to do, and so my drive that's basically what gives me my drive is the fact that I want to be somewhere. And I want to be there as quick as possible, so like I, I I can sort of occasionally watch Netflix series and stuff. But I mean, I when by when I when I started playing games, if I played them by myself, I used to get depressed because <laughs> I I I'd basically what I'd crave what I was doing in the video game in real life, mm. and I would acknowledge that I could be doing this in real life if i if i got my my crap together and worked towards that and so whenever i was like on top of a mountain looking over a sunset or skydive and i'll just be like well, are what? you mainly talking about gta now because it's kind no, of giving me multiple games <laughs> okay like which uh gta um what what's some good there's some really old games like on the nintendo cube and and on and on wii and and avatar and just hundreds of them. I would just. I mean, I've always played games multiplayer. Oh, okay. Because then it kind of gives me a sense to play with my friends, but I find it hard completing single player games. Um, I was considering The Witcher because that's a great series. <laughs> but uh, whoops. Uh, and talking about games, I actually have um, one of my own here, um, all prepared for you, and this is actually. Um, one idea that Rocco gave me in the previous podcast. So I have two things. One, it's a quick fire round. And then it's a would you rather round. So let's start with the would you rather one. And I have two questions. Okay. Not have an EQ or not have a compressor. Not have a compressor. Okay, interesting. Never perform live or never produce. Oh, that's hard. That's hit me really hard. <laughs> My, my whole my whole vision of producing is so now I can perform live. I um, share that, which is exactly why I put um, that question there. <laughs> okay, then I'll probably go performing live. Okay. Even though that's not me at the moment, I just go. I I I need I need to be able to play. I'd probably <laughs> I'd probably do the same. Um, analog or digital? You have a lot of analog stuff here, but do you prefer using that, or will you just jump in Zebra and just ah, I'll, I'll um, just do it there instead of on that rolling? To be honest, un unfortunately, I I'm trying to I use Zebra quite a lot, or I use VSTs quite a lot, partly because I still don't have the functionality I want with analog equipment. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of depends. I, I would, I would say at the moment digital, just because that will cater to everything at the moment. But if I then go and 
like as Tally's stuff fries with analog sound in mm-hmm. compressors and stuff because it's because it's rocking because it's a guitar and then you get that kind of vintage warmth that's reminiscent of whoever your favorite <laughs> rock star is and so uh I, I would say digital but that that synth is monophonic okay. and it's basically a bass synth so you, you have versatility in creating melodies of bass and you can do really nice treble stuff and higher lead stuff but um, you, you're still kind of limited I do have a uh, a a MIDI I can't remember the name for it, a MIDI box which means you can convert the audio signal into MIDI mm-hmm. and then I can draw MIDI and do arpeggiators and stuff like mm-hmm. that but I kind of I do like the analog aspect side of it of just having to play it in and and record it there and then. Yeah, and the tactile yeah. thing because you can actually yeah, move yeah, things around stuff, and, yeah, yeah, instead of using better. a mouse to do everything. At the same time, I don't know the versatility versatility of uh, digital equipment is just yeah you can do anything <laughs> in, in in the box. So uh, okay, so where can people find your stuff? My stuff. Um, I'll put this things is, in the description anyway, but... At, at the moment, you won't be able to find much of my stuff, but it's going to be released soon. So um, you can check it out on my brother's social medias. On Instagram, he has a link to all of his stuff. Um, and you can find my Instagram through his... I think you'll put it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so it's mainly Instagram they use to kind of yeah, disseminate so stuff. You, you we'll see all of our stuff on there. Tally's on SoundCloud. My brother's on SoundCloud as Tally, uh, Tally Yassin. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be in his LinkedIn Instagram as well. And my stuff, when it is released, you will see it through my Instagram. So stay tuned on that and you'll know <laughs> you'll know where my stuff yeah so stay tuned on on uh, on that and I'll put the Instagram link here and it's gonna live there forever so when he uh, puts <laughs> stuff on you'll have it so thanks a lot for uh, for Thank being a guest on on this Thanks again for listening till the end. I hope you found our pretty lengthy conversation valuable. And as always, if you enjoy my content, please make sure to subscribe and check out the video uh, to the podcast as well, which lives on YouTube. And you can find more content uh, from me on all of the relevant uh, social media platforms from Twitter to Instagram, Facebook, Medium, and everything in between. I'm even on TikTok and uh, have been trying out Byte as well. So I hope to see you there. Until next time, have a good one.